Good morning, everybody, or good afternoon, whenever you're listening to this podcast. Uh, This is Location Weekly, and we are recording live. It is Tuesday, May 9th. We are just talking about how we were almost through the middle of the year, and I'm obviously here with Karsten today. We are filling in for Asif as he is somewhere around the other side of the world, and it's nighttime where he is. So how are you, Karsten? I'm so glad you're here. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It is always a pleasure to be with you on the show. And also, we will talk about Matt Gala later. And if I see you now, so you're one of the celebrities. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but, you're, but you're right. We are almost done with the first half of the year. And that doesn't feel like that. So, so how did your goals achieve so far? You know, it's been okay. But I feel like the older you get and the busier life is, it's just like zooming by and and we need to take more time, like maybe once a month to just reflect on how we're doing personally, professionally with our families, you know? So I always feel like I can do better, but um, no big complaints. Lots of learning and growth already in 2023. How about you? <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, I had the pleasure to be with Asif last uh, days in the uh, last week in Rotterdam at the Geospatial World Forum. So the LDMA had a panel there. First time on this platform since a long time. So back in the physical events business, which makes us feel kind of proud to be back on stage. That was good. Had a fabulous panel discussion about location and retail. And uh, yeah, so geospatial is very yeah driven by government so we got a lot of attention from the attendees for commercial stuff which was very interesting that's amazing and um thank you for covering for me last week because i was um actually busy with new fronts which is a big you know television event every year and samsung ads and um i was honored to be on stage it was so much fun it was uh, a lot of work but you mentioned the met gala and i told you earlier I actually had to like run through all the Met Gala people the night before in my sweatpants, getting into my hotel room. And I was like, please, I hope I do not end up in any pictures with all of these beautiful, pretty people. Right <laughs> if I would have had a cat suit, it would have been perfect, but we're going to get right. to that later. We, we, we come to that later, the story. <laughs> For now, I'm going to kick it off with a story because um, we have four stories as usual for you guys. Um, But this is about a company called Constructor, constructor constructor.io, which is out of San Francisco. And they are an e-commerce product search and discovery platform company. Uh, But they've introduced what they're calling Constructor Quizzes. And this is a solution that's supposed to help retailers deliver on consumers' expectations and they're powering powering relevant and uh, personalized product recommendations in real time so that shoppers obviously convert, drive more purchases, and feel like a level of satisfaction with the engagement that they're getting within that uh, digital real estate or e-commerce site. So the tool is really focused on um, serving up these like brief questionnaires as shoppers are engaging on the website. It could be mobile site or mobile app. Um, So they'll ask them questions like, that you might ask an associate in the store. And then based on each person's responses, the quizzes aim to like dynamically personalize with those shoppers, make recommendations. Um, You know, they can see like the mapping them to individuals' wants and needs and and try to like make it a more, I guess, you know, dedicated one-on-one experience, even though it's still digital. 
So they're touting some of the approaches that they mentioned in this article that quizzes can help reduce indecision. Um, you know, it's part of like holistic product discovery throughout the shopping experience. They're using zero party data, uh, which we know is always a, you know, a benefit in this day and age. And that shoppers, you know, knowingly and willingly are providing that. Um, but you know what my thought on this was two things. One, I do like a more personalized experience. I like being able to engage with someone in real time, or even if it's a bot, just to get some answers to my questions. But something that I've noticed a trend in all of e-commerce lately is like just an overwhelming amount of pop-ups. Like getting a pop-up before I can even see the product that I came from Instagram to look at is beyond frustrating to me. And it's like, you are actually interrupting and disrupting my experience here to the point where I don't want to buy your product anymore. So I feel like there's a happy medium where there has to be like engagement, maybe that is started by or driven by the consumer, but perhaps does not um, interfere with the fact that like, Hey, I'm actually trying to discover your product at this point. I'm not ready to get 10% off because I don't even know if I want this yet. Like, give me a second before you're asking for my phone number and email address and firstborn child. Um, you know, so I think that there's like a, a little bit of that friction point that I don't know. I haven't experienced this, but just in general, the pop-ups can be a little overwhelming. So I think that the industry as a whole needs to be a little more sensitive to that. The second thing that I thought of, this reminds me of, I don't know if you remember, there was a mobile ad network years ago called Curiously. And they, you know, later on, they would go on to be acquired by Brandwatch, you know, that acquired a lot of different products, a London-based SaaS company. But they, you know, sometimes they were used for good things, um, just like open exchange and asking questions. Um, sometimes they were used for not so positive things, the likes of Cambridge Analytica, perhaps, you know, capturing that data and then targeting things for political reasons. Um, but, you know, this, what I like about this play is it seems to be directly tied to that retailer, to that specific interaction, um, and is creating and building that relationship and that personalization versus being used out in the open web, right, or being able to use that across all of the advertisers. So I think that there's a benefit to this, to having that search and discovery, especially maybe if you're looking for something expensive, like a new television or a specific um, appliance, or even maybe just makeup, like what kind do I need for my skin tone or whatever it may be. So I can see a lot of good applications for this. Um, I like the idea of bringing in that zero party data and creating that relationship um, between retailer and consumer. What do you think? Yeah, I just want to mention about the pop-ups and, and the reason why they are doing this is mostly driven by uh, somebody who tried to fix the problem. Uh, that the retailer or the brand had before. So uh, third party companies jumping into that space and say, right, I can help you. I will give me your data. I will fix this. And this is how, how that creates. But this is from the DNA side. It's uh, the problem is deeper and it's from the old days, maybe using old systems, things like that. And then you adapt on this on top, on top, on top. Uh, but you see good examples, especially in 
e-commerce where this keep it simple and stupid thing is still alive and works very well because those people thought about it in in, in advance uh, when they do this and so this is maybe always not a not the best sign you see so many pop-ups so there's a problem behind and also you mentioned these coupon things and 10% discount this is not the reason when you go, go into a product and uh, you yeah attracted by advertisement whatever see that's that's cool yeah i want to know more about that i'm not interested in the price but when somebody sent me directly an offer uh for a discount then it's negative in my brain say so, right okay those people try to sell it now for less money than they offered before so something's wrong so that feels weird um that's one and always this one-to-one -one relationship uh yeah can be used in a good way, but also, and you mentioned before, in a bad way, and you have to communicate on, on eye level, I think, with your potential client, customer, about what you're doing. And if so many things happening right in front of you, so you don't know what's going on. <laughs> Maybe it's more orientated, but uh, in general, yeah, one-to-one -one connections and relations are great and good to see that. And hope, hopefully, um, intelligent systems and um, artificial intelligence will help us a bit to solve this problem. I hope so, yes. And I say meow on yeah. Amazing story. So thanks, Asif, for picking that. Um, I'm a dog and I have a small dog, so he gave me a cat story. This is amazing. <laughs> um, well, at the end of the day, it is not nothing to laugh about uh, because uh, there are so many cats and abandoned uh, yeah, pets uh, all over the world that the industry has tried to take care about that for, for various reasons. And so the cat litter company Fresh Step, so I don't buy that, but I know what it is, cat litter. Uh, so they teamed up with Dansu and uh, started a campaign around the Met Gala you already mentioned uh, in, the, in, the, in the first section. So uh, that was taking place in New York City. So all all these high fashion, high class celebrities were there and they celebrated the newest fashion. And uh, the marketing chief of uh, the company, Eric Jemison, showed up at the show on the red carpet dressed as a cat. And it looks a bit like the Karl Lagerfeld pet uh, cat he had in the, in the past. Anyhow, and so that was the beginning of this campaign. Um, Fresh Step uh, rolled out through their Instagram uh, channel on the next morning. So the morning after the gala, where all the celebrities tried to show up. So what they had there, so they dressed cats, abandoned cats, which you can adopt in this high fashion closes. So they're using uh, artificial intelligence to create this picture of the of the cat. And then they dressed it like very fancy from the pictures from the evening. So the cool dresses you saw on the red carpet on the evening before will be now dressed into a cat. And the question is, would you adopt the cat? And so mostly all over New York and New York City, of the hundreds, I don't know how many cats they, they had in this campaign, but very successful campaign and just, yeah, give a bit more attention and eyeballs on, on this topic. Um, I think that's great. And it's a, it's a great idea to use a, um, yeah, a very great 
uh, event like the Met Gala to to promote something good. And at the end of the day, they want to sell cat litter <laughs> because that's their job. But teaming up uh, in this role was great. And the picture of Eric Jemison, marketing director of Fresh Step, is beautiful, dressed like a cat. Well, I know that Jared Leto also dressed as a cat. I did not see the the picture of uh, Eric, but I saw the one of Jared Leto and he, you know, in true Jared Leto style was definitely very, um, I don't know, interesting, right? Like it, it, it definitely caught some attention. We also had, I think, Doja that, that dressed as a cat yeah. in an evening gown, but had her makeup done. So I like that they use what was happening um, in pop culture, you know, one of the largest events of the season to call attention to adopting a cat. So I think that kudos on the creativity, on the timing, um, you know, and on the mission. I'm not running out to adopt a cat. I'm sorry, but you know, I applaud the uh, the creativity and call to action here. So very good. And you're right. It wasn't the marketing director. He already contacted, uh, just commented this. Sorry, oh, okay. sorry. For I that. was like, how many cats were there? It was like a lot. <laughs> I don't know. I hadn't been there. <laughs> we had a chance, but maybe we have to figure out. Maybe there was more than one cat. <laughs> oh, great. Okay. Well, that was a fun story. And now let's go to something a little, maybe slightly more serious and a little bit shocking at the same time because Google and Apple have agreed to work together. Yes, I said that they are working together and they have um, recently announced that they are going to help battle unwanted location tracking. So specifically, they're focused on uh, thwarting this illegal activity such as devices on like Apple AirTag or maybe even like Samsung Smart Tags, but really that these allow users to track others in real time on an iPhone app. So the companies have submitted like a, a draft industry spec to the Internet Engineering Task Force, um, which is a standards development organization. And so the goal is to allow Bluetooth tracking devices to be compatible um, with, you know, these unauthorized tracking detection and alerts across iOS and Android platforms. So they're trying to, I think, just say like, hey, we've got to keep everybody safe. We don't want anybody tracking people or products illegally. Um, so companies such as Samsung, Tile, Chipolo, Eufy, Security, and Pebblebee are supporting um, the draft spec, and they're also going to offer examples and instructions for manufacturers. Um, you know, So who's going to be interested in this? Obviously, safety and advocacy groups are going to be interested in this. And um, right now, they're invited and encouraged to review and comment over the next few months for the companies. Uh, and then the companies are going to then partner to address the feedback and release, release this production um, implementation of the specs that are going to help with unwanted tracking alerts by the end of the year. Um, you know, I think of I think a lot about this because I use a lot of these trackers. Um, one, my husband has a, a, a personal business that he runs. And so when he's um, shipping or you know renting out these assets that are very expensive, he wants to be able to make sure he knows where they are so they're not getting lost in production. Similar to a lot of companies that do that, right? Whenever you're moving things around a hospital, you need to know exactly where they are. Or whenever you're shipping expensive, things like maybe a car, you know, we've had LoJack for years and years on how we could track these things. 
Um, and then similarly, I use it for my children, right? I put it in the, on their backpack or on their person so that whenever they're moving throughout the day, um, so their after school activities, I have an idea of where they are. If for some reason I cannot get in contact with them or, you know, God forbid all the scary things that are happening today uh, and, and just like being able to see that. So I think that it is important to keep this, um, this functionality and this location tracking viable and available for good purposes. But I also don't want somebody else tracking my children, right? Um, or being able to access that information and that data. So I, I applaud these efforts. I think they're very important. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing what happens over the next few months. And then, you know, maybe early next year, we'll have something to report on what is the final standards that they have agreed to uh, support. So any thoughts on this story? Yeah, it's not the first time they're teaming up on, on this cr critical things. Um, so, for example, you mentioned it a couple of weeks ago with the initiative of Overture, where they right, we're doing the same mapping material. We, we try to find a standard which is not based on the Google map at, at all. So those kind of things. So uh, in the industry, it's a common uh, thing to, to team up and get the idea to, to create a standard and honestly this is one of the reason uh, Samsung tracking devices are not going into market because uh, they're at the end of the day not um, working as they should so the Samsung trackers are not uh, working as they should because the amount of iPhones and Bluetooth on and uh, AirTags is much more higher than the other ones standards are not compatible so um, in, in terms of regulation honestly <laughs> If this is a use case uh, you want to work with and uh, generate money and security, you have to team up in the end of the day. So it's how you package the story, but at the end of the day, they have to be competitive, compatible. So, sorry. Yes. <laughs> Agreed. Anyhow, yeah, so, so so we are in the tech space of our podcast right now. And so we, we, we're following the next story. Uh, so Qualcomm and Xiaomi are teamed up um, to verify first time a meter level positioning uh, at the Xiaomi 12T Pro device powered by the Snapdragon 8 Plus Gen one platform in Germany. That sounds very, very complicated, but at the end of the day, we're talking about 5G. Uh, we're talking about the capabilities of positioning through networks, uh, which allows us to position a device on a meter level. And meters, as you know, uh, when we are outside, mostly we're using GPS signals. And uh, GPS signals, depending on which region you are on the planet, are not very accurate. So there are various reasons for that. Um, we have a big maneuver right now over Europe because of the war going on in the Ukraine. So our GPS systems is now uh, sometimes between 15, 20, 30 meters and sometimes not away because something, something is flying over us. So you need for critical things like driving your car, find the right position, self-driving vehicles, whatever. You need something which is working better. So, and they uh, made it happen first time using the standard from uh, yeah, Qualcomm and the chipset from Qualcomm and the Snapdragon to make this happen. And if you think about that, how often you're standing in New York, for example, or in other big cities where there's tall buildings and say, right, where's my Uber? And the Uber driver is calling you, I'm on the other side of the street, which street, that street. Well, I have your position here, but your position is incorrect. And it's incorrect because of using GPS. And GPS is not working very well in that 
uh, that, yeah, was that valleys in that? No, it's not. It's, it's just have the tall buildings and in the middle of the tall building, it's like, yeah, it's a valley. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Where is the German translation called Häuserschlucht? Anyhow, <laughs> try to <laughs> Well, you, you got the idea. So having tall buildings and then just find the right position because the satellites are up there. So, yes. So that's what they did. And obviously it works. Any thoughts about that? I think this is really important. I mean, like you mentioned, the number of times that we have all ordered a car and it is then you have to walk to the other side of the block or it's going to take another, you know, five to 10 minutes for your Uber to get around the block because of all the one-way streets. Um, it's really frustrating. So I think that we continue to have needs for more precise location and beyond, I would say, just, you know, simply ordering a car service. There's also the fact that whenever it comes to um, specific like in lane, um, uh, that that level of detail and that level of location is really important when we're talking about self-driving vehicles and and moving things throughout the world like we need to have you know, an inch makes a big difference. So we have to have um, all of these, um, I would say like we have to continue to improve the accuracy of location and the types of technologies that we use in order to achieve that. It's, it's always, I think, a mixture between uh, different technologies and use cases. So for example, so if we're talking about self-driving vehicles and it's snowy and foggy, outside he could not use cameras so visual positioning systems as we do it with arrive for example in indoor navigation are not going to work if you have a snowfall so, <laughs> and even satellite uh, connection could be rake up you know that from your television because uh, yeah if it's a storm or the thunder the storm over you and lightning and things like that so you need maybe something else to protect your self-driving car or vehicle so yeah it's very important but it, i think there's no right or wrong it's a mixture between different uh, yeah, technical solutions. Yep. Awesome. Well, we've covered it. That's our show for today. That's our four stories. We thank all of you for listening. Uh, Steve should be back next week. Um, I don't know. Carson will be back soon enough, I am sure, because you are... Well, the, good, the good thing, the good thing is... I'm flying to North America on the 16th, so next Tuesday, and I will be there for over four weeks, and I hope we see us all in person. I'll see if I know. Maybe I can make it to New York, too. We'll see. Great. Well, if you have story ideas or feedback, um, please reach out to us. We're available on social media, LinkedIn. Um, you know, Drop us a comment, a like, and let us know what else you want to hear about. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye-bye.